We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? It is a midweek edition of Green with Envy, and we have united the three man weave coming straight at you. First up, we got my best friend, co host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How you doing, man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I was texting you earlier. I'm in that like really slow part of my work season right now. So I have a lot of time to produce content and to be uh, active on Twitter, which we'll talk about here in, in a little bit. Yeah, you're heavy on the twi- on the Twitter fingers today. I love seeing it. I love seeing the engagement, love seeing the activity. So making making use of that time. And as always, probably the most active out of the three of us typically on Twitter is our guy. He is our podcasting cousin from across the pond. He is the leader of the Taylor gang. It's the one and only. It's Adam Taylor. Y'all know who it is. What up, Adam? Yo, what's popping, everybody? I like Twitter. Twitter likes me. Listen, Twitter, I, I was thinking about this the other day because we've been all going around trying to figure out what works on IG, what works on YouTube, which, by the way, I'm going to plug YouTube here in just a second. Make sure you go follow Green MB Pod YouTube right now. we got a lot popping off in there. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Been trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And honestly, as much as Elon is, and let's be real, this dude, is fumbling a bag right now. Like he's fumbling like, like Twitter. I, I saw our guy Mobley, who's an, a musician out here in, in Austin. He had a really great tweet where he said, a lot of companies will do everything in their power to turn their, their companies into verbs. Twitter had that. And then Elon just said, nah, fuck it. Let's go to post, which is already dominated by Instagram and Facebook. Like this guy is fumbling, and yet somehow I still think Twitter is my favorite app, and it's it's amazing to see how that still works. You know, it's wild. I I felt like engagement had been decreasing on Twitter for a hot minute, man. Like everything, everything I've kind of put out, like people I usually had in my comments, my DMs just weren't there. All of a sudden, and I fell victim to this too. You see, you see people like, "Yo, I got paid for tweeting, blah blah blah," and my engagement is back through the roof. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, everybody's coming back because 
You know, Instagram recently took away their bonuses for creating content on their platform. Facebook took away their bonuses for creating content on their platform, unless you're partnered with them in like a sponsorship thing. Twitter, you just got to be consistent and have more than 500 followers and you're going to be good, man. Somebody somewhere is going to give you a bit of change. So I was like, well, fuck it. Yeah, I'm coming back to Twitter (laughs) as well then. And now apparently I'm back on Twitter. Yeah, we all out there on Twitter today. So, all right, guys, here's here's the plan for today's episode. As you mentioned, Greg's been out there in the Twitter sphere uh, reviewing our top five point guards in the Eastern Conference that we went over last episode. We're going to get Adam's thoughts as well as some of the feedback that we've been getting. Then we're going to do our best to not, you know, shit where we eat, if so to speak, but Bleacher Report, our homies. We, you know, we go on the app. We do a lot of work with them. We're hoping to continue to do a lot of work with them. But they got a little blast from this. We got to put them on blast. We got to check them. They had a top five duos list that we have some pretty strong objections with. So we're going to get into that. And then on the last part of this episode, as I said earlier, we've been hitting YouTube pretty hard. So if you guys listen to us here, we appreciate the support and love. Make sure you go check us out on YouTube as well. We are starting to develop some Green with Envy quick hits for topics that come up that we can try to hit in the moment with either the three-man weave, two out of the three, myself and Adam, myself and Greg, Greg and Adam, doesn't matter, whoever's available. Try to hit some of these topics in the moment. These are Green with Envy quick hits. An example of that is going to be at the end of this podcast today. Day, me and Adam talking about the reports from both Bobby Manning and Mark Stein that there is interest in bringing Blake Griffin back to the Celtics. So we'll hit that. That's on the back end of this podcast. You want the full video format? Go to our YouTube, Green with Envy Quick Hits. We're going to have a lot more topics that are on there on a daily, semi daily basis as they occur. So make sure that you are following us there to get all of that contact, uh, context. Excuse me, boys. But first, We've got some Chris Dabbs Porzingis news that we're still waiting to see where this is going to land, but we got to talk about it here. So a report coming out of uh, the upcoming FIBA World Championships here from Rupert Fabig or Fabig. We're, un- we're unclear on the on the pronunciation of our guy's last name here, but he had a tweet today exclusive. According to my information, there are growing concerns that Latvia star Chris Stapps Porzingis might miss the FIBA World Cup due to injury. Understood it is something with his foot. Staff himself and Boston Celtics will wait until the last moment to make a decision. Greg, this is one of the worries of, of the Marcus Smart move, right? Is that we started to build a roster with a guys with a lot of injury concerns and two out of our three main big men are guys with recurring injury histories in their, albeit short careers thus far. How does this make you feel right now? We're not, we haven't even got to training camp. I was kind of excited to watch Chris Stapps and FIBO. It may not happen now based on this report. You know, how is this making you feel? When I first saw the report, I freaked out a little bit. Um, not going to lie. But then, you know, no no shade to Rupert F- Rupert Fabig, but, you know, I don't really know who he is, and I don't know if he's trustworthy. Um, it looks like he's based internationally, so maybe he's doing some international reporting. And just, like, reading some of the theories about, you know, why this report is coming out, it's like maybe the Celtics and Chris Stapps have been in conversations behind the scenes, and they need to, like, create a fake injury so that he doesn't upset people in his country. I kind of like that theory because there hasn't been anything out there 
on Chris Sapp's Instagram or anything like that, that would suggest he's been dealing with any sort of nagging injury. Right. So I kind of like that conspiracy theory that this is all just a way to make all the Latvian people. Okay. With Chris Sapp's not being available. Um, Adam, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you buy, buy, buy stock in that theory? I mean, it's a bit conspiratorial for me. Um, it's like flat earth, but like <laughs> sad Latvia. I don't know. Sad <laughs> I don't know Latvia, I like that. Well, we did like, talk I'm, about we both like UFOs. Yeah, I mean, we did do this. I mean, for me, I think there may be some truth to it. The problem with European reports is a lot of NBA fans, us included, we don't know who the reporters are for each national team. We don't know how plugged in these people are or aren't. So while it's not easy to believe it's also very difficult to kind of just be like yo this dude's full of shit like we just don't know so i'm going to take it as a 50 50 shot i'm ex- i'm expecting that we just go down that way where it's like yep chris Stapps, uh doesn't want to play he's going to fake an injury head back i'm sorry the dog is being a douche <laughs> king henry had some uh had some opinions as well I know what his problem is, man. Every night lately, nighttime, 10 o'clock till 11 o'clock, he's just a dick. Do you have, do you have like <laughs> raccoons or anything around where you live? Maybe he's barking at some uh, they don't live, crepuscular critters. What type of critters do you have out there? That's a good question. We don't. like Nothing dangerous, nothing crazy. Like The worst you're going to get is a badger. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like that's worse than a raccoon, no? Yeah, they're vicious little bastards, but like they're <laughs> rare, dude. Like usually, like it'll be like a hedgehog or like um, a fox, maybe. But th- that's I mean, honestly, that's uh, I mean, I usually I mostly just have squirrels and possums in my backyard. So I think I think all of the things that you're naming actually sound like more more threatening than <laughs> than what talking. I mean, the hedgehog's at. not threatening. They're little and they curl up in a ball and they're just chill. And they're blue it's, it's and they're fast. Just, literally, just the badger. If you see a badger, you, you've really been unlucky man <laughs> well anyways with uh aside from the critters that that henry's trying to trying to chase down here uh while we're on the podcast you know i think with the whole chris Dapps thing you know like adam said it's kind of a wait and see i'm trying not to overreact but it does stress me out in a sports sense stress me out in a sports sense that this is going to be a glimpse into what a lot of our conversation this season is potentially going to look like where Chris Stapps is in and out. Rob Williams is in and out. Brogdon, who stayed healthy all last year, becomes in and out. And then, you know, there's always injuries that happen to guys that are even healthy. You know, mm-hmm. does Jalen Brown tweak an ankle or a hamstring? Does Jason Tatum, you know, he's had, you know, issues with his wrists in the past. Like, is something like that going to creep up? And then all of a sudden, you know, you get those that those injuries start lining up in a certain timeline and we're looking at lineups where, you know, O'Shea Brissett is in the starting lineup, who's also out of FIBA World Cup with an injury. You know what I mean? So that's the part where right now it's, you know, I, I got my got my eye open to it, but it's not overly concerning. But it is stressful thinking that, oh, God, did we, as exciting as it is for what the new ceiling of this team is, did we just sign up for 82 games of just reviewing health reports each game? It's very possible, very possible that that's the case. I mean, that is the biggest concern when you bring in a Kristaps Porzingis, when you bring in a Malcolm Brogdon, guys who have really bad medicals and you're investing in them to be part of your your core eight and then you're relying on them to be there every night. It's just a difficult thing, man. And like I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter, I forget who, 
Um, but we were talking, we were kind of debating the merits of Christian Wood. And I know we've already talked about him on the pod, but like if for whatever reason, poor Zingas, this, this report by Rupert Fabig is an actual report and it's not just some conspiracy theory to keep them, you know, to keep the Latvians at bay. Would, Hashtag sad Latvia. <laughs> would you guys now be open to a Christian Wood signing if Chris Tapps is actually like compromised with his foot? No, because that foot's going to heal and Christian Wood's feelings won't. Well, that was the, <laughs> that was the hypothetical, right? If, if like this, if this foot injury is, is more serious than like, we are, we're probably thinking it's just precautionary, keep him out. Celtics work something out with the Latvian team, right? If he's actually hurt and say he's going to miss three to four months, would you then be open to a Christian Wood signing? I mean, I think the thing with Christian Wood is it's a little Dennis Schroeder-like from a couple years ago, not to trigger Adam here to get too upset, but it's almost like if he's available for one year at $5 million, like that's probably worth a gamble. You know what I'm saying? Like the talent is is, is worth more than than $5 million. And if you add that this is some type of significant injury, which you know, I think if it was significant, it would be, be reported on a little bit stronger from, from just this one source. And we'll see. This just came out you know, within the last like hour or two. So who knows? We don't really know if this is nothing or if this could turn into something. But I think... I think foot injury or no foot injury, like Christian Wood is is an insurance policy that if the price gets low enough, it, it probably makes sense either way as a low risk gamble. But if it be if it is actually a foot injury, then I think it would it, it would put a little bit more urgency to say we need to do this or closer to saying we need to do this than just it's a luxury if it happens it happens, but we're not actively pursuing it. Yeah, and I think. You know, one of the big things about picking up a guy like Christian Wood, if say like if we are operating under it's a four month absence, just for argument's sake, at the end of those four months, you're hoping Wood has played well, he's built some trade value, and then you flip him for dun, 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 a second round draft pick. And um, Brad Stevens is happy. <laughs> or, Daniel or Daniel Tice. Or Daniel Tice, one of the two. I mean, fuck it, we might as well just try and trade him to the government and bring back on his freedom. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'd be down in that case. I just don't see this being a long issue. Like Boston would have done their own medicals, their own physicals on Porzingis coming before they finalized that deal. If he's gone away and got hurt with the Latvian team, I'm assuming we would have heard if it was serious. But the first thing I thought when I saw that report, I just got straight up Danilo Gallinari vibes. Mm. And I was just like, dude, just bring him back. Let him rehab with with the team staff and keep him off the floor for a while because, you know, he already had injury issues in the past. I, I like Christian Wood. I just don't think it fits right now at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're all there. Not, this is uh, very much like Trey Young, who we're about to talk about. Not not a big Christian Wood, not a big Trey Young podcast. But with that, let's let's take a break. And then when we come back, we got to talk about some some rankings and some lists. Let's have a little fun with it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, fellas, as we talked about at the beginning of the pod, our guy Greg was out there getting some opinions about our last podcast that we did in which Greg and I took a stab at ranking the top five Eastern Conference point guards. Adam, you weren't on that podcast with us, so Greg put it out there with the top five list that we came up with. Give us some of your feedback just on the on this list in general that, that Greg and I came up with. Then we can dig into some of the comments that, that we got and, and, and decipher through that. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have had Halliburton at one because I'm a sucker for upside as well as current talent level. Full disclosure, means- Adam, I had him as one on my notes. And then when I thought about it, as Greg and I were having the conversation, I flipped Brunson. That's fair. That's fair. I don't think it's an egregious decision to make. I'm just, as far as I'm concerned, Halliburton's the best guard in the East and will be eventually probably one of the top two guards in the league along with Shai. Um, that, the only other one that I think you could have made an argument for is Lamelo, but that would probably be better on like an all-time injury list along with um, Lonzo because those two dudes just are brittle. Um, other than that, I'm cool. No trade young makes me happy. Um, I think I probably would have had Halliburton at one, Garland maybe at two with Brunson at three, but I can understand why you'd have Brunson above him. Harden is an assist machine. You guys have got two notifications, by the way, because your cat's popping. <laughs> um, Drew Holiday for the defense. I mean, if you want it to just be a little bit more of a homer, sure. We should have had Derek White at five, and I don't think that's too unbelievable it would have, somebody somewhere would have been pissed that you missed Drew off there uh, but no I think that's solid I would there wouldn't have been much difference if I was on the show maybe I would have talked you into taking Halley at one though yeah and that's fair and I think most people the biggest debate that we've kind of seen is like people are saying it's a travesty that we've left Trey Young off of this list and some people have, you know, that I trust their basketball opinion have had Trey at one. Shout out to our guy Roe. And then, you know, my my um, high school teammate played at um, where do UMass Lowell, Robbie Walton. 
who's like an unbelievable point guard in his own right, he had um, he had Trey off of his list, right? So I'm like, oh, two basketball people that I really respect. One has Trey at one, one doesn't have Trey on their list. And this got me thinking about how polarizing of a guy Trey Young is for someone who has the resume that he already has, right? Like some of the stuff, some of the stats on Trey Young are just insane. The fact that he's already been to Eastern Conference Finals. Um, pretty much by himself. He doesn't have like a whole lot around him on the Hawks. So they do have a, a couple of nice pieces I think would fit on, on most rosters around the league. So that was the biggest takeaway for me is like some people are freaking pissed off that Trey Young's not on this list. And then a lot of other people straight up agree. And there've been a few Celtics fans, obviously that are like, why is Derek White not on this list? And I mean, Derek White was one of, was part of that group of the last cuts, right? Like right kind of on the cusp, but but probably more. He's just, he's just more of a high level role player. It's it's he's taking the Marcus Smart mantle in so many different ways, not just the starting point guard role, but he's you know like Adam, you just mentioned like him versus like Drew Holiday. Yeah, I don't think it's like that crazy of a debate, but it's hard not to lean Drew Holiday each time, right? And, and it was kind of the same way with Marcus Smart, where yeah, they're a debate, but I think. most times at the end of the day, I'd still go Drew Holiday as slightly above those guys, at least at at that back end. Were you going to say something, Adam? No, I was just going to say, when you look at Drew, it's not just the defense. There is the playmaking. There is the scoring. He can get hot. So it is hard to keep him out of the top five. It's not like the East is teaming with elite point guard talent. Well, that's the key point, right? And so Greg and I touched on this uh, a little bit in the pod, but it came up uh, on Twitter more so the other day, is it's so funny as I think about it. Regardless of who's number one in the East, they're not cracking the top five in the West. Not a single one is cracking the top five in the West. And there's likely an argument that none of them are cracking the top six. When you think about in the in the West, you're looking at Steph, Luca, Dame, Shea, Ja, and De'Aaron Fox. That's just six, right? That's six right there. Is there anybody in the East you're putting above those six? I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe Halliburton over Fox. Um, maybe. You know, I'm a I'm a big Fox guy. I. I said last year that like John Morant had kind of risen to the point where maybe his reputation was outweighing what he actually has done on the basketball court. Like he, everyone just like penciled him in, penciled mm-hmm. him in as a superstar and he hadn't really done it yet. Right. He's had some big games, but like, you know, it's more the promise of John, the highlights for John, all that. So when we're going in the playoffs, I was like, you know, we might be a couple months away from having a real conversation is Jalen Brunson actually maybe the better player right now than a John Morant? Same thing with Tyrese Halliburton. So you, 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 it's definitely a fun conversation to see if any of these guys would crack the top five in, in the league. You know, But I think it's pretty clear that Steph, Luca, Dame probably looking at like the top three SGA probably SGA, four, SGA yeah. definitely in that. Yeah. Those, those four I think are unquestionable. And then you can get at least a debate going between, you know, five, six in that range. But uh, it was fun seeing a lot of those responses as to, you know, where people would have different point guards. Uh, like we said, I think Derek White's just outside that top five, but I think if you were to rank role player, you know, role player type point guards, he's going to be right at the top of that list. And especially when you have two guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, an excellent duo feature <laughs> report. If you're listening, 
they are going to make it a lot easier for a guy like Derek White. And then in turn, he's going to make their life a lot easier as well. So that brings us to the next point that we need to get to. The other day, Bleacher Report put out a tweet of the NBA's top five duos right now. I'm going to read you this list here. And Bleacher Report, I don't know who's working your socials, but we need to have a conversation with them. Whoa, we need whoa, to get us back on the app. Greg, uh, another Greg. So C- Greg's are controversial on Twitter these days. Greg Swartz, apparently, there we this go. is his list. Greg Swartz, we got to have a talk. But here's here's the top five list that, that we got from Bleacher Report. At number five, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. You fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, we'll come back to that. Number four, we got Braun and AD. Number three, we got Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Champs, makes sense. Number two, we got Giannis and Drew Holiday. And at number one, we got KD and Devin Booker. In my opinion, before we even get to the absurdity of at least Luka and Kyrie, there are obvious two very obvious duos to me that are missing from this list. Of course, we got to talk about where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are. Do you guys know the other duo that I can't believe didn't even make it on this list? Or didn't make the honorable mentions that they had in a separate tweet as well? PG and Kawhi? Jimmy made the honorable mention list. Jimmy and Bam. Jimmy and Bam didn't even make the honorable mention list. They just went to the goddamn finals as an eight seed. Like, what are we even doing here? So, so, someone tell me what you think they're doing here. Greg, Adam, I don't care which of you jumps in. Adam, you go. No, because anything I say is going to be nasty, and we do work with Luke Report. <laughs> I, I, I plead the fifth. Well, that's, that's why this is a tough line. Here's, here's the thing, especially with these lists, right? It's like, what is your criteria for developing the list? Are you talking about pure talent, like basketball talent? Then if you're talking about pure basketball talent, you know, you could even make the argument that Luka and Kyrie should be higher than number five. But we're talking about like the duos on the court and whether or not we think those duos together are going to lead to like good winning basketball. That's how I always look at it, right? Like which two would I want to pair well together to lead a winning team, you know? So you have to factor in, okay, the, which, which of the, of the duos has the best superstar, right? So like, there's always the one and the two in the, in the duos. And then what is their complementary star and how do they support the superstar? Right. And Luca and Kyrie do not complement each other well. So, therefore, as great as Luka Doncic is, as great as Kyrie Irving is, as individually talented players together, I don't think they make the right duo. And therefore, we're going to push them to the side. Now, Celtics fans, you could also then, you know, hear everybody murmuring on Twitter and in, 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 the, in, in the ether right now saying, well, couldn't, couldn't you say the same thing about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? And that's where, you know, leaving Tatum and Brown off of this list, if you're going to leave Luka and Kyrie off because they don't complement each other well, I could see somebody, I'm not the person, but I could see somebody (laughs) making the argument that if you're going to make that argument against Luka and Kyrie, maybe you could make the same argument against Tatum and Brown because people have been talking about for years how they don't necessarily complement each other as well as a Jokic and Murray do. Real quick, I will say that quick, you know, Adam, just just one thing I want to say on Luca and Kyrie and, and how it's ridiculous that they're on this. They traded for Kyrie Irving at the trade deadline. They were in the playoffs. They literally missed the entire playoffs after they after they traded for Kyrie. <laughs> the only, you literally just said what I was going to say. The only strange. evidence we have of these two together is losing enough games to go from in the playoffs to out of the playoffs. They can't be on this list. Just Absolutely can't. not. Yeah, I agree. And getting fined for doing so, may I add. 
because they <laughs> affected <laughs> because they take that the tag they, they, they <laughs> yeah that's it's just that's that's ridiculous but let's let's transition to this conversation then what should be the best five duos i think that's the better conversation for us to have and and i think all of us i would say all of us here think the jays they, they got to be on this list they go to the eastern conference finals at a minimum basically every year like mm-hmm. it feels ridiculous for for a team that accomplishes that to to not be on this list but you know i mean i think greg the way that you put it of like the duos of like who's your star player who's your second player and then how do they kind of mesh together? i think that's a really interesting way to look at it because that's where you know as much as i have issues with the list that bleach report put out kd and book d book at number one you know, Katie's one of the top number ones you could have. D book is, in my opinion, the best number two. I think, I think, no doubt. I think maybe you can make an argument. I'd say he's probably the best number two in the league. And then I think their games can work together. It's a small sample size, so it's hard to say how that works. But do you guys think, then let's start with you, Adam. Do you think Katie and, and book is the number one duo or, or where do you think we should start? No, that's fair. I think KD and Book. No, actually, no. I think that you have to go with the team, the duo that just won an NBA championship together. I think you have to go Jokic and Murray, and it's unfair to go anywhere else because those two guys dominated all the way through postseason. Yeah, I agree completely. I have my list written down here, and I have Jokic and Murray right at the top. Um, so, Will, when you said you think it's pretty clear that D Book is the best number two in the league, who else was kind of floating through your mind as maybe a rival for that best number two spot? Yeah, I mean, I think the other rivals that I would think of for that, and really, I think this just depends on between LeBron and AD. At this point, I don't really even know who we're calling the number one and who we're calling Bron. the number two. Bron. Bron's, Bron's the number two. Bron's the number one. Okay, that that's what I would think as well. I think that's maybe the one that I would look at. You know, who's the number two? Because then I think I think for me, if I'm if we're ranking the second bananas out of these out of these duos, I would probably go Booker, AD, and Jalen Brown would probably be my top three. And my pushback to the to the Nuggets being number one, which, which respect the champs, I get it. I I wouldn't make a, a big stink out of it, but and I think this also applies to Jimmy and Bam. I think for these duo lists, it depends. Are you looking for the 82 games or the playoffs or a combo of both, right? Mm-hmm. Because if yeah. we're making a duos list for the playoffs, I think Jokic and Murray and Bam and Jimmy are probably going to be higher than just my regular seasons list or if we're trying to find a way of like, what's the combo of the two where, you know, you get a high seed and you make a deep run of which, you know, Jamal and, and Jokic did that last year. They got the one seed and they won championship. So you guys are probably right that they need to be number one. And no shade to Jalen Brown because I love Jalen Brown. Can we can we say that Jalen Brown's better than Jamal Murray after what Jamal Murray just did in those playoffs? So once again, I go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. I, I was literally a one-word answer. No, I don't think we can. I think it's been disingenuous to look at somebody that came into really their first deep playoff run and how he slotted into his number two role, accepted it, accentuated the players around him, really put the team on his back. All right, let, let, let me jump in here real quick. So the Jamal Murray versus, versus Jalen Brown, I think it's an interesting debate. I think this goes back to once again, like if you were to look at the regular season, I think Jalen Brown wins that argument. I think when you look at the postseason, undoubtedly Jamal Murray wins that argument. And so 
you know, which I, I think it, there is, I think there is a case to be made for Jalen Brown as a better number two than Jamal Murray. But then that gets to the other point that you made originally, Greg, which one works better as a compliment to their number one and Jamal mm-hmm. Murray works better as a compliment to Nikola Jokic than Jalen Brown does to Jason Tatum. So I guess through that theory, eventually we get to Jamal is at a higher number two standing. But if we look at them in a vacuum as players, I would still rather have Jalen Brown than Jamal Murray. Unless, of course, I have Nikola Jokic, but then Nikola Jokic changes the equation for almost anybody that you want to put into this argument. So that that makes it a little bit more difficult. But I think in a vacuum, I'd go Jalen Brown. But I think as a duo, I think I guess I have to default to Jamal Murray would be a step above Jalen Brown in this duo's conversation. Yeah, I just think after what I saw Murray do in the playoffs and his ability to get his shot whenever he wants and run a high-level pick-and-roll, I know he's got the best pick-and-roll partner in the game in Jokic, which makes it a lot easier, but I just think Murray proved himself to be the more polished player than Jalen Brown at this point. But let's get into our lists. Uh, so who who did you have? Adam, if you're there, why don't we try uh, having you go? Did you, did, did you actually list your top five duos? I didn't need to. I kind of know them off my dome. Okay. Who who do you have as number one? Uh, Murray and Jokic. Yeah, I have I have Jokic and Murray as well. Well, do you have Jokic and Murray number one? Uh, I didn't, but I'm but I'm cool with that. You guys have convinced me that we got to give respect to the champion. So I'm I'm down with the Nuggets as the as the number one duo. Okay. So number two, to me, if we're saying that Jokic and Murray, because of what they just did in the playoffs, is the number one duo. That does bring up the idea of Jimmy and Bam. Are we even considering them for the number two spot here just because of last season? Or do we think regardless of that playoff success, we got to push? They're on the list, but later on the list. On the list, but later. Yeah, I'm going to be the same. So for me, one of the criteria I had has is have these duo has this duo won a championship together? Okay. If they have, then I've kind of put them in my top five and I've kind of built around them. But I do have KD and Book at number two. I I'm also, yeah, Double I have KD down. and book. Yeah. KD it, and book. It's just too much talent. That's undeniable. And even though it's a small sample size, you saw them without a fully flesh roster and they were the closest thing to challenging the nuggets, right? They had them. Bro, they played the eight games together. And yeah. then they, and then they were like pushing the eventual NBA champs in some games because they were scoring like 45 points each. Exactly. Booker yeah. shot like 80%. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's just undeniable. I, I got to go with them too. If we're going to three, this is where I think it starts to get to get a little bit interesting. Adam, you brought up the championship rule, and this is where I think you could make a case for Braun and AD if you wanted to have them here because of that championship. A couple years ago now, they're a little bit older. They got injury questions, both of them. This is where I have the Celtics duo. This is where I have the Jays. Is that is that number three? I I also have the Jays at number three, but I man. It's tough. Like when you're when you're talking about these, like Braun and AD and Jimmy and Bam, especially after Jimmy and Bam, like two, they they beat us in the rubber match, man. Right. It it, you know? it feels wrong. <laughs> it it almost feels wrong to put the the Jays above them. But I I think coming into hopefully we've learned our lessons. <laughs> hopefully we've learned our lessons, and next year we'll be better than uh, Jimmy and Bam. But it it is tough to like from the bottom of my heart say that the Jays are better than Jimmy and Bam when they just beat us. Yeah, that, I'm exactly there. So I had Jimmy and Bam at three. Um, I don't like having them above Tatum and Brown, but it's simply based on they've had more success in the postseason than what the, uh, over Jason and Jalen in terms of beating them. 
can you hear Henry in the background? Yeah. Yeah, but okay. So we'll we'll go Jimmy. I think we all agree, Jimmy and Bam at number three. So I uh, we'll yeah. we'll make that concession. So heat at three with Jimmy and Bam. And then that's between four and five. Would the Lakers duo be the other duo that you're debating here with the Celtics? Or is there is there another yeah. duo? Yeah, that's or- a duo. But like we've already made a concession to the Heat on this pod. I'm not making a concession to the fucking Heat and the Lakers on a Celtics <laughs> podcast. So like fuck the Lakers. I got J- I got the Jays at number four. Yeah, let's double down. I got, I got, I, we got to go Jays at, at four, and then Lakers at five. Would would that be? A, would does that does that I work with your list, Adam? And Drew at five. Well, that's going to be the other part that we haven't debated, right? Is so, and this is where I think because Giannis is arguably still the best player in the world. So, well, I think Jokic has that title right now. Let me back up. Jokic has that title right now, but Giannis is arguably the second best player in the world, probably pretty unquestioned. I think majority of people would probably put him at number two with a few others in the conversation. But I think for Giannis, the the trouble is, you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, like we just ranked Drew Holiday as the fifth best point guard in the, in the Eastern Conference. A lot of debate if he even should be in that fifth spot. And then we just talked about how whoever's in that fifth spot in the East is probably more like the 11th or 12th best guard point guard in the entire league when you factor in league-wide not just by conference and Middleton's been injured and out and so I think for me Giannis just gets dinged that I don't think Holiday or Middleton stack up with either Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, and, and Anthony Davis. I don't think either of those guys approach the level of those number twos and, and I think it's, it's, it's a pretty pretty sizable difference at this point. Yeah, I think that's that's the argument there is that if we're saying this is a duo, they have the first piece of the duo, but they don't have that second piece that's like a surefire number two. You're having that argument between Holiday and Middleton. Um, so that's why I would go Braun and AD. I think like them together add up to more than what Giannis and Drew can do together, even though I think Giannis is the best player of the four of them. Yeah, I think the only thing that bothers me there is there's just so much injury concern between AD and Braun and yeah. You have to, while you can factor in the fact that they are dominant when they're both healthy and they have won a championship together, I do think you have to factor in their ability to contend for a championship moving forward as a primary duo. And with AD's injury history since winning that championship, he hasn't played more, what was it, more than 60 games each season. I think two of the years it was around 40 games in a season. I'm just not sold that I can have them in the top five duo because they might not be available. Yeah, he just got a bag too, by the way. 60 plus million a year for, for for Anthony Davis. So a lot loaded in there. All right. So I think I think for this one, it's two to it's two to one Lakers. So we're gonna we're gonna go Lakers in that five spot, is what I think we're we're gonna do. Sorry, Adam, this is a democracy over here. So we're gonna go we're gonna That's go two fair. to one. We put the heat at three. We got Lakers at five. So here's our final list for duos. So we've got Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. We've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. We've got Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Bleacher Report. Mock it up. Get some graphics behind it. That's the list. That's the better list than what y'all put out there. Get that Luka and Kyrie crap off the screen. Please hire us again. We want to come back. We like getting paid by y'all. It's fun. No, but for real, that was, that was good. We appreciate y'all always having us on there, but had to set the record straight here, so we've got a new top five list, but as I mentioned, we're going to round out this podcast today now. We're going to round it out with a Green with Envy quick hit. So this moving forward, just so that y'all know, most of these are only 
only going to live on our YouTube page. So for a limited time, we got some of these that we'll be mixing into the podcast routine throughout. But for for future reference, most of these are only going to live on YouTube. So make sure you are following us on there. And make sure you're following us on all other social medias. Make sure you're following Adam Taylor. Make sure you're following Greg Manakis. Make sure you're following Black Sheep Optimus. Make sure you are following the whole crew here. We appreciate those of y'all that do. We'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, you'll hear my thoughts and Adam th- Adam's thoughts on keeping the Bus One boys together and bringing Blake Griffin back. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, what up, what up? Welcome in to Agreeing with Envy, quick hit edition. This is your boy, Will Weir. I am checking in with my main man, Adam Taylor. And we are here today to talk a little bit about Blake Griffin and the possible return to the Boston Celtics, as noted by our guy over at Celtics blog, Bobby Manning, last week, reiterated recently by Mark Stein in his newsletter. There's interest in Blake Griffin coming back to Boston. However, he may want to look for a West Coast option. Adam, let's start with just from the Celtics point of view, how you feel about Blake Griffin back in green? Boss one boys for another year, baby. I'm all the way in. I think that, you know, if you look at what Blake brought to the team last season, he didn't really produce like high numbers on court, but he was a veteran in the locker room. He was a feel good factor. Vibes were immaculate. I'm all the way in on keeping Blake Griffin around for another season. Obviously, as you said, he may look at a West Coast team. His family's out West, may want to be closer to home. But you have an opportunity to win a championship with the Celtics this season. There's no guarantee that any other team that's challenging for a championship is going to want what Blake brings. I'm more than happy. Run it back. Bus one, boys, for another year. Give me the vibes. Yeah, I mean, B- Blake is a vibe, right? That 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 is the best way to kind of talk about Blake Griffin. And, you know, I think what you talked about with, you know, on the court, he played 41 games, 4.1 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists, but that's not really what mattered as much, right? He was a guy that he knew his role. And he, I, I think, you know, for all the criticisms, which we did throw at, at, at one Joe Missoula throughout the year, I really liked the way he deployed Blake Griffin. 
where it was, hey, man, s- save what you got because I know I'm going to need it when I need it, but I don't need you out here for maybe five minutes here, maybe a few minutes here. Now, s- sit back, chill. We got everybody healthy tonight. You ain't getting any run, but we're going to rest Al. Maybe Rob was still out early in the season, and it was, yo, Blake, gear up. Take the next two days to get ready, get, you know, start, start getting your training ready, get it in the right mode and you're starting tonight. And I really enjoyed how Blake Griffin kind of, kind of took to that. Right. And I, and I think he performed honestly better than I thought he was when we, when we made the signing, I was like, eh, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to just say, Hey, we had Blake Griffin for a year, but I thought he actually made real contributions when he had the opportunity to do so. So, I'm with you that I'm all for bringing back Blake Griffin. And I think the most underrated part, and, I, and I'm struggling right now to remember where this report came out. I want to say it might have been through The Athletic, but I'm not positive. Is they talked about through, you know, about midway through the season that Missoula, Al Horford, and Blake had kind of formed a triumvirate behind the scenes, right? A council, if you will. And, you know, they're all the same age. So it's nice to have these guys that are the same age that are able to kind of vibe with one another and then be able to connect with that younger core of the Celtics. So I think bringing Blake Griffin back, if you can do it and if he's willing, I think for me, that's a, that's a, that's a no-brainer yes. I think the only question you're going to have to answer and one that Blake Griffin will certainly ask now there's another body in front of him in that rotation, right? Like last season, it was already tough. Blake was 41 games. He did sit out a bunch. And then the minutes he did get predominantly were garbage time towards the end of the year. You add Porzingis into that. And now all of a sudden, is Blake even going to see the floor? There's one thing coming in to be a, a gap plugger, as we'd call it. That's kind of how they put words. I like that. Is. I haven't heard that before. A gap plugger. But I like that. Yeah, I like that. Going in there just to plug those gaps, fill those holes where we need them. But now all of a sudden, you're going to be even further back in that rotation. Does Blake coming back mean that you move on from Luke Cornett? If you do, is that worth it considering how Luke performed last season? Although Luke is, I think he's non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed coming into I think there's the a date coming up that, yeah. that, that will guarantee us. I don't know what that is. But I think they could, I mean, you don't think that, that bringing, I mean, because here's the thing. Yes, they brought in, in Chris Stapps, but we lost Grant Williams as well, right? So... Bringing him in, I think, you know, I think there's a world in which you bring Luke and Blake back and then you still have at least one more roster spot that, you know, that you're you're trying to sort out, you know, before you get to the start of the season. And I, I think you I mean, right now, knowing what we know with Rob Williams injury history, with Al Horford's age, with. Chris Stapps Porzingis' injury history, like you need more reinforcements on that front line, right? And if Blake's comfortable and you feel good about what he can give you in those, you know, in those gap plug moments, I, you know, it's, it's hard to see a downside. And I think for me, I, I would like to see them bring, bring, bring all those boss one boys back, right. Bring, or bring at least Luke and bring back Blake together. I think the two of them are comfortable. And I think sometimes that's, that's a forgotten element of what it means to succeed in the NBA is that, that, element of being of comfortability right i saw uh, a clip the other day and it was back when the celtics had Shaq, right and this is i'm going way back in the vault here but they made the trade of kendrick perkins for jeff green and perk for jeff green in a in a vacuum yeah that's a win especially you know when you think about their age at the time like that was a talent win but what it took away was that 
comfortability, that continuity that Perk had. And, you know, Shaq wasn't able to stay healthy. And ultimately, it, the, the move just, just didn't work out for a bunch of reasons. But I thought that was always, you know, a reason why it was kind of a, you know, a, a skeptical trade to begin with because you were taken away. And so I think with, with Luke and Blake on a much lower level, you know, there is a comfortability, there is a continuity to, to them with the bench, to them with their, their role on the team. And I think, and you need those guys when you're on a championship run, you're going to play 82 games. You need guys that, that kind of know their role and are cool with their role and will thrive in their role. I mean, if you're moving Al Horford down to the four, predominantly playing him in that starting five along along with Paul Zingas, then yeah, I can see that being the case where you kind of plug Grant into what Grant Williams' role would have been, but in the starting lineup, and then you ask Blake to continue in the position in the role he he was. I just don't think you could sell him on even a, like an even smaller role than what he already had this year. That's kind of the only thing. Like he wants to win the championship, but I think he also wants to contribute towards the championship mm-hmm. as much as he can. And I mean, me personally, if I was on a team and I played 10 games and got a ring, I'm not going to feel the same way as if I played 40, oh, 50, it's different. 60. It, it, and it's way different when you're a borderline or maybe he is just a straight up hall of famer. Right. So it's, and it's a different mentality that you've had in your career. I mean, this guy was, was in the MVP conversation for, you know, eight years or so of, of, of his career and was a bona fide all-star all NBA guy. So that's, it, it's definitely a different mentality. Sorry, I'm trying to nudge the dog because he's snoring as I'm trying to record <laughs> hey, as well. King Henry, King, King Henry's dog. It's funny. I showed a, I showed my girl a picture of, of your dog, and she used to have a um, – oh, my God. I'm blanking on what type of dog she used to have right now. She's going to kill me if she hears this. Um, a Sharpay. And so Sharpay is very similar to the dog you have in the sense that like they have like kind of breathing problems, like, but they're so cute and scrunchy and they got all the, all the ruffles. So she was, she was melting, but she was like, that looks like a dog that might have some medical problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully not. I mean, hopefully not. It's, uh, it's already costing me money with vet bills from time to time. Back to it though. Look, I'm all down for bringing in Blake. I think that he has proven over time that he can be a valuable weapon from the perimeter as well. We saw that in kind of spurts throughout the season where he would just knock down a couple of threes. I think there was one game I'm blanking on who it was Philly. against. And it, Blake just came in and changed yeah, the he hit five, game. six threes. That was, that was one of those games against Philly where it was basically the hospital sees, right? And it was Blake Griffin hitting five or six threes. I'll have to see if I can find it here while, while you're talking. But yeah, it was 100% a game against Philly in Boston. And this is what I'm saying, right? He earned that veteran minimum deal from that one game. And you're not going to get that type of performance off Blake every every game. You might only get one of those a season, the same as you did last year. But when you're trying to win the mental advantage, get that mental kind of hold on a team, especially a team like Philly that just lose to you every year. And, you know, you Embiid's damn near ready to throw in the towel on his time with the franchise because he needs to go to a team that just doesn't naturally lose to Boston. Having a guy like Blake that comes in and plays hard, understands the value of winning those little matchups, winning those mid-season games, and how that can pl- take a toll further down the line, that's invaluable, man. For a vet minimum deal, I'd be all the way in. I just honestly, I just don't know whether he would want to come back now that Porzingis is in the in the fold. Mm-hmm. That that big man rotation is quite deep already. I'm not sure whether it. I mean, the tough part is, and and by the way, I looked it up here. It was against Philly on uh, February 8th, five of eight. Followed that up with a three of six game against Milwaukee a few days later. So, real hot streak for for Blake Griffin from downtown during during those couple of days. Uh, But I think the thing for Blake is like, 
you know, where he's at in his career. And obviously, I think, once again, to be a Hall of Fame level guy and to to take that mentorship end of the bench role, like it takes a certain level of humility, right? And it takes a, a certain level of adaptability. You know, we, we saw guys like Allen Iverson couldn't do it. You know, Russell Westbrook has struggled to do it. Maybe he's found a new role with, with the Clippers. But, you know, I think for Blake, you know, and his is a lot of injury related, right? Of the reasons why he is where he is in his career. But I think when you look out West, like, I mean, if he wants to be near family, hey, I get it, man. Go do your thing. Like, you know, I think most of his family has stayed out West, even while he's been in Detroit, Brooklyn, Boston. You know, they've been out West. So I get that if you want to end your career going back out West. But I don't know if any of the champ, quote unquote, championship contenders that I would see out West are really going to have much more of a role. So I think in that respect, if we're looking at role versus role, unless there's a team I'm missing, I don't know if there's one that you look at and say, there's a there's a team that he's going to play 65 games this year and get, you know, 10, 15, 10, 12, 15 minutes a game. I don't know if that exists for Blake Griffin anymore. And so I think. You know, if it's about playing time, I think Boston's in a very good position. But if it comes down to I want to be on the West Coast, I want to be near near family, it is what it is, and it, and it may be sayonara for Blake Griffin. Yeah, the only team that comes to mind for me due to their lack of size over their entire roster would be the Warriors. I think the Warriors could be a space where Blake could come in and get legitimate minutes. Obviously, you've got... Um, Dario Saric is there, Trace Jackson Davis is there, both of those guys are around that 6'10 mark. Blake could come in with his three-point shooting abilities, screening, and probably play a legitimate role in multiple like more games than what he played in Boston. You trying to you trying to reunite Lob City? Yeah, I'm that didn't even cross my mind. You I know, had a feeling it didn't, but I <laughs> I'm down. Uh what I will say as well is like the only downside to that is signing a veteran minimum deal with Golden State really in the grand scheme of things means you're paying money to play there because it's just so expensive to live there. A vet minimum deal probably qualifies you for government housing in San Francisco. <laughs> I think Blake's going to be okay. I'm not super worried about Blake playing on the minimum. He's made plenty of money in his NBA career. So I think yeah, San Francisco. Just, actually, though. Let's well, let's, let's play it here. I have it. I have it pulled up here. Um, how much money do you think Blake Griffin has made in his NBA career? I'm going to say like 120 mil. Keep going. 180 mil. Keep going. 375 mil. Okay, now now we've got a little bit too far. He's he's not in the new NBA. That's that's going to be the Jalen Brown. That's the Jalen Brown money right there. But on no, one deal, I know he's he's made 260 million. Which which like you see your point. That's a lot of money, and that's putting Jalen Brown's new deal in a whole other light. This is a Hall of Fame, you know, 13 year career for Blake Griffin that we're that we're looking at here. And uh, yeah, he's he's still under Jalen Brown's next four years. That's, That's like pretty, a holy crap! That just blew my mind to think about. Blake Griffin has played a 13-year NBA career, made 260 million dollars, and Jalen Brown just signed a four-year deal. That's going to give him about 50 million dollars, almost more than what Blake Griffin made. In his it's fucking That's sickening, wild. dude. I will say this as well. Let me just point this out. Blake Griffin's career earnings are like a C, a tech company CEO's yearly bonus. In San Francisco, <laughs> it's so expensive, dude. It's like, expensive, he, man. But that's, I mean, I mean, hey, shit, dude. Boston ain't winning that conversation either. Boston's just as expensive as San Francisco. 
So Which there's, is there's, bullshit, right? Because one place is warm and sunny and the other place is cold and wet. I know. Believe me, man. I, li- I live in Austin, so you know it doesn't make any sense to me. I-, I got the hell out of there where it's cold. So it don't make no sense to me. But, but yeah, the Warriors are the only team I can see that lo- lo- logistically, theoretically, in terms of playing style and playing time, actually yeah, makes sense as a potential landing spot for Blake outside of Boston. Yeah, I could see Blake just kind of holding out and seeing how everything plays out too, right? An injury pops up, boom. Another opportunity, kind of, or it just up. goes to Taiwan teams up with Dwight Howard and wins like fifty oh, champions. God, don't come on, man! Don't wish that on my guy. Do not wish that no, on my I'm... guy. I don't want Blake out there with him. Uh, uh-uh. uh, let's Blake. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do that. But that's gonna do it for this episode of Green with MB Quick Hits. As always, we appreciate y'all for checking in with us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you are following us across all of our social medias and our audio feeds for the podcast. As always. This is Will. We are signing off. My guy, Adam Taylor. Always a pleasure. Yo, so if the, if Dwight Howard and Blake Griffin teamed up, they'd be the Airbus one, boys, because that's what you call the big planes, and it? The Airbuses. Peace, everybody. <laughs> Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. It don't take much no more. Until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find. What can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. I call to see if you open, you know I hope you deliver. Every time you get in close, I still be sick with the shivers. But there's nothing like that first time. I still remember the first time I saw you. You were looking so fine, chill like lo-fi. Watch you go by. It was all I could do to say hi I still remember the first time I saw you You were looking so fine Chill like no fun I did all I could do to stay high Oh, oh Every time I get this high, it's you I find